So we're in the midst of a series called What's in Your Fruit Salad, a bit of a mini series that's going to lead us up into the Christmas um, break. Oh, the, I told you we're talking about Christmas already. It's there. Um, when does Christmas start for you? Anyway. Um, so, so there's all sorts of stuff, and it's a, it's a mini-series um, that, that we're exploring the, the fruit of the Spirit. And um, it, we're kind of following on from, from the, the growing up, the grow up series. Now, if, if you've been in GBC for a while, um, you will have known that most of this year, probably to some of y'all's like exhaustion, we did a series called Grow Up, which was looking at the spiritual disciplines. And, and, and the fact it came out of our verse for the year and a real desire, I believe, from God for us to grow up, to mature in faith. Um, our verse for the year um, being from Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. And, and, and the reality is, is how do you see whether or not you've grown up in faith? Because see, it's really easy to, to, to see when a kid grows up, right? Like when my child, Lilia, was born, she was oh so small. And as she's grown up, you can see her. I can physically see her grow up. But how do you measure your growth in faith? How do you measure how much you are growing in your faith? Now, we could just say, well, you have to trust me. I can tell you I am the most mature, most grown-up Christian you've ever met. I've done so much growing, y'all. And perhaps if you've known me long enough, maybe you can see some truth in that, perhaps. And then you can also be like, actually, you've got a lot more growing to do because you're not that grown up. But the way you recognize the growth in spirit is through that of the fruit of the spirit. What fruit of the spirit are you bearing? If you're not bearing fruit, maybe there's some questioning of whether or not you've seen growth. But we'll talk about that a bit more. I'm going to dive into scripture and then we're going to um, unpack some stuff. And again, it's Galatians 5, 13 through 26. Mike did an amazing job of introing it kind of last week in terms of the actual fruit. Neil, a couple of weeks ago, in terms of uh, sharing the encouragement and, and what it looks like for us to be encouraged by God through his spirit and by one another. So Galatians 5, 13 through 26, which is where we get the fruit of the spirit um, scripture specifically from, says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, a sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me say that one more time. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Amen. Beautiful thing about scripture is that you could read it a thousand times over and every time God convicts you by his spirit into something else. And so in one sense, I could just stop there and say, what has God spoken to you? What has he convicted in you? But God has also shared some stuff with me that I think he wants to lay on our hearts today as well. I've said before, I'm not a green-fingered human being. (laughs) I can't grow anything to save my life. Um, However, my wife really loves to and tries to, but the the most green-fingered one among us is Evelyn, my my middle child, my second daughter, and she loves it. She's part of the gardening team here at the church, comes and hangs out with Catherine and with Sandra, and she she absolutely loves it. And recently in our house, um, we have a little veg patch. I say veg patch. It's mainly been a dirt patch for years, but finally it's become a veg patch. Because Evelyn went and she planted some courgettes and the courgettes grew and she had, I think it was 12 courgettes and she, she harvested them and named them all. <laughs> Genuinely. She kept one back. She took one to school to share with her friends and the other 11 she gave to the Gambling Gay Food Project to the community fridge. Now, wh- why do I share that? I share that because sometimes we think that, that fruit can only really come from those who have age and experience. And sometimes the fruit can only be done by the ones and twos. Especially when we talk about the spiritual stuff, right? But it's only those who've been with Jesus forever that actually, see, this is where God's amazing. God, by his spirit, can do what he wants. And so God can, as we come to faith, Immediately growing us some of the fruit. Just like that. You hear stories of when people come to faith out of nowhere and they are like their whole lives are transformed. Like you hear like drug dealers and murderers who like encounter Jesus and suddenly they are like the most loving human beings ever overnight. And like part of you is like really cynical. Part of you is like, really though? Really? Well, but if God by his spirit is working, yeah. But equally, the amazing thing about fruit is that Evelyn did not just plant the seeds and go, come on, poof, there they were. She had to work at it. And it did take time. And with this fruit of the spirit that we're talking about, any of us, all age, young, old, brand new Christians, been Christians for decades, we have more fruit to bear. God, by his spirit, will bear fruit in us. Mike last week did a great job at focusing on the first three, fruit, love, joy, and peace. And he did say that it actually can take time and it can take possibly years sometimes for some of those aspects of the fruit to uh, really show. He talked about the singularity of fruit, and I love that because it isn't the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit. And like original language fruit, singular, because they're all together, they're in unity. And we see the context that, again, Mike gave us in what he's, the, the, the Paul is writing to in the Galatians. 
There's this beautiful um, everything there, but, but, but we see the context that Paul writes a practical response to a spiritual reality. And I say it's a practical response because as much of the fruit of the Spirit is spiritual and of God, what he's talking about us as followers of Jesus doing is practical. It's real. It's tangible. The reason you can see if someone has grown in the Spirit is because it is real, measurable. Is it measurable, Adrian? How do you, okay, maybe not with a measuring cup, but it is measurable. I've repeatedly said, and I'll say it again, if you are not more like Jesus today than you were a year ago, something is wrong. Now, I can't always be the one. People sometimes go, well, it's the pastor. You, you will tell me, no, no, no. Between you and God, are you more like Jesus today? In theory, you should be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday, but sometimes that smaller change is really hard to discern or see. But are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? Because if you're not, then the question is, why, why not? What, what, what are you stopping God from doing in your life? But there'll be more of that. Paul writes a practical response to a spiritual reality. And again, you might be thinking, but, but you know, you can't, you can't measure love and joy and peace. There's no measuring cup for it. But you can measure how much you experience it, how much you see it, how much you spend time in it. And, and what I love, what I love about, again, the fruit of the Spirit is that even Paul says it's for everyone. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Everyone who is led by the Spirit. Are you led by the Spirit? Yes. Oh, I was a little concerned there for a second. I was like, oh no, they've either fallen asleep or we have a real big problem. Are you led by the Spirit? Then it's for you. Uh Uh-oh. If it's for me, that means I gotta do something. If it's for me, that means I gotta engage with this a little bit. If it's for me, I can't just look at someone across the room and go, it's for you, you over there. Yeah, I knew God wanted to say that to you years I've been saying it. It's for us, it's for me, it's for you. Truth is, we see that the fruit of the Spirit through us is an outward real sharing of what we have experienced from God. Again, the fruit of the Spirit is an outward sharing of what we have experienced from God. We can only bear fruit and share with others from what we have received and experienced ourselves. When you come to meet Jesus, and your life is transformed. You've experienced that love. You can only really share that fruit of the Spirit because you've experienced it. You, you, you can't share the, the joy of the Spirit if you haven't experienced the joy of the Spirit. You can, you can experience, you can share joy. I'm so happy, I'm excited, joy, joy, joy. But is it of the Spirit? Mike talked about that last week. Like, it's not this fake, happy, clappy moment of like, I'm okay right now. Have you experienced joy so deep that even no matter your circumstances, you are still worshiping God. You're still joyful. Because when you've experienced that joy, you can then share it. But equally, the flip side is again also true. 
we're not bearing that fruit. We're not having that to share with others. Then, then perhaps we haven't experienced it. And we have to ask the question, why? What's going on? Bless you. Why have we not experienced that fruit? You know, I encounter a lot of people in my life, uh, and it's, it's really difficult because sometimes people are really there and they're willing to journey with you on a faith journey, and some of them are absolutely not, and some of them, you kind of have that whole fluctuation of situations. And I'm going to share a person one. I've literally named them person one, so it's not you. Don't worry. And if you feel convicted, not me. That's not you, right? But, but, but person one, who I will not name, Grumpy human being, mean human being, rude human being, claims to be a follower of Jesus, claims to be filled with God's spirit, claims to be saved and sorted. Life is perfect. They're all good. I struggle with person one because I can't see the evidence of the fruit of the spirit. They're not sharing the evidence of the fruit of the spirit. They have some joy, but it doesn't ever seem to be joy from the Spirit. It seems to be like, a, I'm okay. My bills are paid. Got food on my table, roof over my head. In fact, what I experienced from person one is actually quite the opposite. Rudeness. Not necessarily to me, but to others. Meanness. Actually, more of, of an attacking mode of, co- of conversation rather than agreeing or disagreeing. Well, attacking others. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, but I'm a, I'm a grumpy human being as well. I'll give you person two, and who I will name because I've named him before. Bob Barnes, a real good friend of mine, describes himself, self described as a grumpy old man. His words, not mine. I'd agree sometimes. He's a grumpy old man, though. <laughs> But he's a grumpy old man who exudes the fruit of the Spirit. Who brings, who enters into a room and will greet you and bring you. And even through his grumpiness, somehow is sharing joy. That's how I know it's the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's not a grumpiness that takes away or sucks life from anybody else. It's a grumpiness that that's his characteristic. He's reached a certain stage in life. He's kind of just going through it. Yeah, it's good. But he's loving He brings peace. He brings joy. He brings gentleness. And he brings others that we're going to talk about today as well. So are you one of those two people? Well, you're obviously not Bob. And I said that you're not the other person because, you know. But do you resonate? Does it resonate? Do you know people like that? And the thing is... It's not my place, and hear me really clearly when I say this. If you haven't heard what I said so far, hear me when I say this. It is not my place to determine who is and who isn't a true believer. It is not my place to say to person number one, do you even know Jesus? That's not down to me. It's between them and the Lord. It is not my place to bring judgment on them. That is down to the Lord. But it is my place to discern what I experience. I mean, even Jesus himself teaches on this. And he's referring specifically to being able to discern true and false prophets. In Matthew 7, verse 16, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So, are you bearing good fruit? Or are you bearing bad fruit? Anger is not good fruit. Divisiveness, not good fruit. Anyway, I digress, and that was just my intro. Don't worry, I'm going to speed up through the rest. It's fine. Um, it was part of what I felt had to be shared, part of what I think God wanted to lay on my heart. But today, we're focusing specifically on patience, kindness, and goodness. Now, you might be thinking, well, hold on a second. You didn't say the words patience when you read Scripture. You said, and it's even behind you, Adrian, forbearance. What is that all about? Well, see, forbearance is patient self-control, restraint, and tolerance. And so the reason we use the word patience is because sometimes it's a little bit easier for us to, one, remember to speak to others. And if I say to you, are you being patient? You might understand me. But if I say to you, how's your forbearance? You might go, oh, well, right? Now, forbearance is probably, I'd say, a little bit wider than just that of patience. It's a fuller definition, perhaps, of just, than just patience. But it is, in fact, that. So before I fully dive in, I just want to make this small little observation. Maybe you picked up on this when studying and reading and diving into the spiritual fruit, the fruit of the spirit, which you've been doing nonstop for the last few weeks, right? <laughs> right, cool, yeah. Um, the first three aspects of the fruit, so um, uh, love, joy, and peace, are kind of experienced almost individually. They're kind of, y- you talk about sharing them, yes, but you share them from an individual place of receipt. Bless you, there's a lot of sneezing. Whoo! In Jesus' name, keep us healthy. <laughs> Come on. Christmas is coming, I said. <laughs> um, but the first three aspects are almost kind of experienced individually, right? There, there, there's, there's an aspect of obviously, and with all of these, as we said, they're, they're a reflection from what we've experienced from God. And so there's an outwards as well. And so, yes, you have love and you have joy and you have peace to share with others. But, but actually, there's a sense of, do you just simply know God's love? And his joy and his peace, are you bearing that for your own walk of life, that in your own circumstances, you are having those? Whereas these next three, patience, kindness, and goodness, you really genuinely cannot measure, cannot cannot carry, cannot look at without them being outward focused. I I can't look at my patience without looking at how I'm relating with others. I can't look at my kindness and my goodness without looking at how I'm relating with others. I can talk about how I've received it from the Lord, but in terms of am I bearing the fruit, I can't talk about if I bear fruit without including others around me. So these three are very much outworked. They're for the benefit of others. I mean, again, they're all intertwined, but these are about others. And again, we remember that the fruit is an outward sharing of what we have experienced from God. Again, so You experience this, and therefore, you can share it by the power of the Holy Spirit as a fruit. Yes? Yes. Great. So patience. God is continually patient with humanity. Continually. Again, forbearance and patience is is this internal and external control of difficult circumstance, which, which could exhibit itself by delaying an action, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. I love a good definition. It could be a delay in, with problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. How about that for definition? Patience can be suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. See, God is continually patient with humanity. 
Through scripture, we see this. And there's probably times in your life, like if we really wanted to make this microscopic and just focus on you, I bet you there are times where God has been so patient with you, because I'll tell you what, he's been so patient with me so often. But we see God's patience throughout scripture. We look at Exodus. I love Exodus. So I'm going to start there. We see his patience with people in Exodus, where the, the Israelites are saved. They're pulled out of slavery. Yay! And they moan. They don't trust God again. And God's like, I got it. It's fine. And repeatedly, even with Moses in particular, like, what shall I do now? And Moses gets angry and he hits a rock. Like, every aspect of the Israelite story has God showing patience throughout it all. If you know your scriptures well, you know that the entire book of Judges is a repeated cycle. Now, for those of you who are parents in the room, you will relate. When you tell your child not to do something, and then they do it again, and you tell them not to do it again, and then they do it again, and you tell them not to do it again, and then they do it again, and then, like, finally, they come, like, you know, 20 times later, you're like, I mean, I've done told you not to do it, right? Yes. Then why'd you do it? Um, that, that's, that's the story of Judges. <laughs> There's much more detail in it. Go read Judges. It's a hard read, I will say, but it's there. Repeatedly, God rises up a judge to bring justice, to bring leadership, to bring everything. It all goes Pete Tong, and they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again. Same thing with kings. God rises up kings because the judges weren't good enough, and the people said they wanted kings, but what they needed was anyway. There's a whole thing there, but we see God's patience with his people over and over and over again. You might be thinking, hey, John, it's Old Testament. Okay, well, he has patience with the Pharisees. I mean, Jesus walks and he doesn't just punch Pharisees in the face. How dare you? What's wrong with you? What kind of a punch was that anyway? You know, <laughs> he doesn't just punch people, right? He, Jesus walks the earth in, in patience with the Pharisees, those who are literally going to put him up on a cross later, he is patient with. <laughs> Psalm 86, 15, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Bless you. Oh, in Jesus' name, keep us healthy. <laughs> it's okay. We're just going to go with allergies. It's fine. It's fine. No. Um, God is continually patient with humanity. And so we see that as, 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 a, as a reflection of when we receive his spirit, the fruit that we will bear is patience with those around us. So let me ask you, do you bear that same patience? Do you bear the patience with those around you? Well, Adrian, I have a, a three-strike rule. I'll be patient with them three times, and then after that, I'm done. <laughs> Mine's a five-strike rule, Adrian. I'll go up to 10. No, no, no. Are you, are you patient with them? And again, where it becomes something that we bear fruit in is that we experience it. Because I, I, I can promise you, if you think back to your own walk with Jesus, how many times has God told you to stop something and it took you years to figure out? What is God currently telling you right now that he's been telling you for years? He's patient with you. So patient with you. He's patient with us. 
I mean, as, as, a, as, a, as a global Christian family, God must be like, in one sense, I feel like he must be banging his head up against the wall. But then I look at this and I go, no, you're just being patient with us. You know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How well are we as Christians? Forget the world. As Christians, how well are we doing on that? How, how, how united? By the way you love one another, will others know that you are my disciples? How well are we doing in that? In case you're not fully aware, really badly, we're more divided as a church worldwide than ever before in history. Now, some you could argue, well, there's good divisions because there are some things that weren't holy, that weren't of God, okay. But not all of them are. What's God been patient with you in your life? Are you being patient with others? The answer is no, then I'm gonna push and say that perhaps you need to let God in to you in your life, in your speaking, in your walking, that you could bear the fruit of patience. Where are you patient? Do you need to let God do more in and through you? Next, we see that God has shown us immeasurable kindness. Kindness being defined as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. God's kindness in scripture is often referred to as loving kindness. And you see that word loving kindness throughout scripture. And you see the kindness that he shows us. Again, the quality of being friendly. I mean, it's weird to think that God, the creator of all the universe, who, who literally knows every star, knows every hair on your head, made a way that he could be friendly with us. How? Through that of Jesus. That we would be called friends of God. <laughs> how, how generous of God to look down on his people and say, you have so disowned me, so broken the covenant with me, I should just leave you and forget you, but it's so loving and kind and generous of him to say, but you know what? There's a way. My son, Jesus, will walk this earth. And, and, and he'll pay the price that you should be paying that you could be in relationship with me. How generous is that of God? I mean, when you compare his generosity to ours, we fall short. He gave his everything for you. Everything for me. And we sometimes argue about giving a morning a week to spend time in prayer and worship. We sometimes argue about giving some of what he's gifted us to serve. We, we sometimes argue with God about simply just sharing how good he is with others. But look at the generosity he's shown us. Look at that kindness. In Nehemiah 9.17, it says, they refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And you did not forsake them. Through scripture, repeatedly we see God's kindness 
for his people. That loving kindness. I can promise you that when, if you take just even just a moment and take stock of your walk with Jesus, you will see his kindness towards you. Don't mishear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you've not had trials and tribulations. I'm not saying that you haven't had a hard life. But I am saying that with God, God has been kind to you. And when you turn to him and you follow him and you let him by his spirit lead you, there is that overflowing joy of the spirit, peace of the spirit. There is that kindness that you witness and experience. Sometimes it's the kindness of forgetting something. Sometimes it's the kindness of removing a pain or a guilt that you're carrying. But God shows kindness. So how are you showing kindness? How are you being generous with those around you? How are you being friendly and considerate? See, this is the weird moment where people stop looking at me. They kind of go, oh, well, I mean, I try to and I don't want to, but then, then are you talking about me and I don't want to? This is for all of us, y'all. Don't hear me preach this message and coming from a place of, I've got it sorted. You just need to be more like me. Because I don't. I'm continually, continuing to grow in the spirit, continuing to grow. And there are parts of this, there are moments in life where, man, the kindness, the fruit of kindness is there and it's like a woo and it's great and it's, the Lord has proudly picked it and named it and is sharing it with his friends. And there are moments when God's probably like literally knocking on my door going, Adrian, Adrian, you need to, Adrian, Adrian, you hear that? No, okay, fine. And I know I'm not the only one. So how are you showing kindness? And God is by his very nature, good. Goodness described as the quality of being morally good and virtuous. See, goodness is different to kindness. Goodness isn't the being kind to share, isn't being generous. The goodness is actually being good. We might describe it a bit as being a bit more holy, like God is holy, he is good, he is, like there's nothing of God that is not good. Amen? Amen. There we go. And so, there's, a, there's an aspect that actually, as we grow in him by the Spirit, we too share some of that goodness. Now, how does that manifest and measure with other people? I've shared this story before if you've known my testimony, but as an example, when I came to faith, one of the things, and I, and I share it as a moment that you can judge me if you want, but I stand before the Lord, so it's all good. But in the States, one of the really ridiculous traditions of people that turn 18 uh, over there is to go to strip clubs. It's a thing you become, not just, and it's not even just for guys, it's guys and girls. It's really weird, a really broken world that we live in. But the tradition was, we turned 18, we went to strip club. And I came to faith, really, uh, at, at, bless you again, in Jesus' name, keep us healthy. <laughs> um, We're going to be praying. I'm putting it on a prayer chain. You, say, you think I'm joking. Uh, when I, I came to faith at 20, and there was one of our friends, one in our friendship group, who never came, went out to the strip clubs with us. He didn't want to. That was fine. For some reason, it was okay. Like, nobody ever gave him any jip. I came to faith, and he was turning 21, uh, and I was at 21 at this point. So I'd been a Christian for a little bit. And he says, Adrian, I want to go for my 21st birthday for dinner to a strip club and to party up in a club. 
No, into a bar. And I went, mate. No, I didn't say mate because I never said that back in the day. That's way too British. I said, bro. <laughs> bro, I will go with you to dinner and I will meet you at the bar for a drink after, but I'm not going to go to the strip club. And that decision lost me my friendship group there and then. Now, that is a fruit of the spirit of goodness. Not, 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 please hear, please hear, don't get it twisted. Not the interaction with my mate, right? I was trying to be kind. I was trying to share, but being able to allow God by his spirit, who's convicted me, who's changed me to speak that positivity, that, that, that morality, that moral goodness to come out. That's a fruit. When you make those decisions in your life to not be, not be morally broken, to, to stand above the crowd. And in today's day and age, I'll tell you what, it is so easy to just get swept up with the world. So easy to not even know that you're doing it. But the fruit of the Spirit is that goodness when you are able to identify and step back and say, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And that's witnessed and shared with others. But the goodness can only be seen or experienced in that situation. You know what's really amazing? At the time, I managed, because of the weird life I led, we can, that's another story, but I managed two local bands in the States. One of them was a hip-hop rock band, and the, the, the lead rapper, singer for the hip-hop rock band, um, Brandon, was a non-Christian. But he, I shared with him the story because this all happened at the same time. And as a non-Christian, he said to me, he's like, dude, that is awesome. I have mad respect for your moral fiber, and for you to stand on what you believe. And then he said some things about my other friends, which I won't repeat in, in, in church or in your presence, because it wasn't very enough. I kind of rebuked him. He's on a journey, right? But, but there was that moment where he, another non-Christian, saw and experienced the goodness, the, the moral value that God had been doing in me. He experienced it and saw it for me just sharing the story of where I had to stand in that goodness and let the fruit of the Spirit. And please hear me when I say, it is not, oh, Adrian, you did such a great job. It is not me. It is the growth of the Spirit in me. But that's how we measure the fruit. And that's probably the one that's most difficult for people outside to measure of you because you can tell me what you want to tell me and I'll believe you because I'll trust you. So you can tell me, oh, Adrian, I was faced with this situation. I was, and I morally stood up and my moral fiber was awesome. And I'll believe you but you could be lying to me. But equally, I can promise you that you are faced with situations daily, regularly. I'm coming into land, but you face situations regularly where you do have to exhibit that spiritual goodness, that being moral, that, that, that virtuousness that comes from him. And so as I'm coming close to the end, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, great, I'm with it. I, I can, I, I've struggled. You've, you've loaded me with a lot. But, but you said the letter's practical. You, 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 said, you said that Paul wrote practically. So, okay, how, Adrian? How? I mean, you might be thinking that I can't do it. You can with Christ, all things are possible. Amen. But how? Well, if you, if you try and do it in your own strength, if you, if you walk out of this place going, I got it, I'm ready, 
I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the most patient, the most kind, the most good person you've met, you're gonna fail. <laughs> you're gonna fail. Like, in fact, in doing that, you failed. <laughs> because that's not of the spirit, that's of your own strength. And you'll need your own strength to do what you have to do. But it's actually ultimately God that does it because what you have to do is just submit to God and grow up. <laughs> Wait, that means I have to go back to the other series and do the spiritual disciplines and I gotta, gotta, I gotta let God tell me what to do and I gotta, I gotta be obedient to him? Yes. <laughs> you, you mean that there isn't a one, two, three, like tick, 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 and I can't do it in 13 seconds? And I can't, no. You mean that I actually have to bow down before God? Yes. See, there's nothing new in this, y'all. There's nothing new in this. But you might simply be being reminded that you need to submit. That you need to say, you know what, God, in all aspects of my life, not just on a Sunday morning when I'm with brothers and sisters in Christ, but actually when I'm in the pits, when I'm facing that addiction, which, God, you know what it is, when, when I want to turn to sin so badly, when, when actually what I want to do is run away from you, God, when all I want to do is punch someone in the face, and I don't want to be patient because I'm really just flipping tired of them. That moment is when you submit, but go, but God, only, only by you can I do it. It's almost like an upside down kingdom. Because in that moment, when you, when you really accept the fact that you are just broken without him, that you are just not gonna be able to do it without him, in that moment is when you start doing it. The moments that we walk around thinking I've got it banned, you can come up. The moments that you start thinking about, I've got this, I can do it, I'm fine. Those are the moments that you're failing. Those are the moments that you're nowhere near it. Yeah. It's in the moments when you genuinely give over to God. But if I'm honest, I think there's a few of us in the room who don't want to give over to God. I think there's some of us in the room who are quite happy to say, yeah, I love the songs and your sermons are okay and I love a cup of coffee. I prefer tea, whatever. But, but, but you, 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 you don't want to submit to God. You don't want to say God your way. I think there's some of us in the room and, and the thing is, is like, I'm not going to do a call of like, stand up now because then you're like, oh, I'm not going to stand up because everyone's watching me. But perhaps if that's you, perhaps if you are convicted by the Holy Spirit to walk more kindly, to walk more generously, if you're convicted by the Spirit to, to, to have your life changed, to, to walk in goodness, in kindness, in patience, then perhaps, perhaps there's something that God's trying to say to you right now to say, you know what, you need to just submit to him. Every week I pray, more of us, more of you and less of us. Every week I pray, more of you, less of us. Every week. That isn't an accidental prayer. That isn't just the, 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 the John's, like it's, it's, it's a genuine prayer. 
that we and our desires and our ways would decrease and that his ways would increase, that by his spirit he would have more reign in me, that everything of me, little by little, day by day, would be more of him and less of me. That I would bear the fruit, that I would be who I've been called to be. Every day. More of you, less of us. So we're going to spend some time in worship and in prayer. And, and I just want to encourage you, if, if, if this morning you have felt convicted by the Spirit, if this morning something that was said or something that was sung or, or something that Scripture struck a chord in you, do not walk out of this place without praying with someone, without grabbing someone to hold you accountable to your submission to God. Do not walk out of this place thinking you can do it in your own strength because you can't. Walk out of this place committed to allow him by his spirit to work in you, that you would walk with more patience. You know, person one I talked about, man, been a test of patience, but I need more and more patience. Pray that you would walk out of this place walking with more kindness. Pray that you would walk out of this place walking with more goodness. Not from your strength, but from the Spirit's. Let's pray.